Sorry, I had to get that open so we can get recording. We, <laughs> we've been going through some technical difficulties with our, with our recording to get um, our sermons available online and on podcasts, so we've been winging it in the last little bit, but it's working, but it's working. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, glad to be here with you guys this morning, um, be able to go over God's Word and just um, dive into a lot of Scripture today and just really um, take a look at what um, relationship looks like. As we've been talking about, we've been going over relationships because um, as as Tony mentioned a few weeks ago, it's about a relationship with Christ, with our Savior. It's not about a religion. It's not about all these practices. It's about walking in relationship with Christ. And um, unfortunately, the, the world we live in, the society we live in these days, we live in a society where we like easy we like convenient. We like fast. Um, if you even think of um, dinner, like a selling point you see on most food boxes is easy, convenient, ready in seven minutes. Set it on your dashboard on the way home and turn up the defrost and it'll be done when you get there. Like Easy and convenient is the world that we live in. Um, we like effortless. We like things that doesn't take a lot of effort for us to do with. And our relationships, unfortunately, are no different. Um, we like easy when it comes to our relationships. We like to um, uh, be catered to. We like to uh, just have everything work out. And unfortunately, that, that mindset from, from the world we live in today when it comes to relationships and when it comes to easy and when it comes to that, that's like one of the reasons that we see broken relationships, fractured families, fractured marriages, fractured friendships, because when something doesn't fit like kind of what we're looking for, or that seems like something's really damaged and broken, it's really easy for us to just kind of try and upgrade, put that to the side, cast away that, that effort that it's going to take to repair this stuff. And we see it with um, uh, every aspect, you know, um, <clears throat> with our children or children with their parents, just in, in so many areas of our lives, we see that, if it, if it ain't an easy relationship, if it ain't a smooth one, sometimes we equate that with, is it really worth it? Maybe I could find something easier. Today we're going to take a look at Jesus' mother Mary. And as I was preparing for this, I was, I was struggling a little bit. Uh, as I told Tony and, and mentioned a couple other times, I, <laughs> I haven't really prepared this message with these scriptures outside of the month of December. So I was trying to pull myself away from that Christmas story, that Christmas context. But I want to take a look at Mary because um, for one she's uh, like the only person that was there when Jesus was born and when he died and she was with him and she wasn't just his mother but she was in relationship with him throughout his ministry and what we're going to do is uh, we're going to see that the difficulties in that relationship that came to her as a young woman, as a mother, and as, a, as bearing the weight of bringing the Messiah uh, into the world. And we're going to look at it. And what I want us to do today, what I want us to do is through all of the text and through all the scriptures we go to look at today, I want us to kind of focus on two things really and this is kind of coming down to where today i'm going to be re- we're going to be going over a lot of scripture we're going to be jumping back and unpacking a little of it but um, today's message today's sermon as, as it's so often referred to it's going to be just as much on your guys' shoulders as it, as it is on mine 
Because what I want to do is I want to just dive into Scripture and I want us to focus on the difficulties that Mary faced in that relationship and going through that. And then I want you guys to think about your relationship with Christ and your lives and your personal lives. And I want you to look at what things may cause difficulty in nurturing your relationship with Him. So I'm going to read and I'm going to unpack some stuff. But this is, a, this is going to be one I really want you guys to think about where you're at. Where you're at in your walk with Christ. Where you're at in your relationship. And see some of the difficulties that Mary went through. And honestly, seeing some of these difficulties she went through, we should be like, gosh, I got a maid kind of. This is kind of a cakewalk. Like, why am I making this out to be such a big deal? Um, so there's going to be a, a, a couple obvious differences. Is... Um, uh, that you're going to be noticing in this. And one is, obviously, none of you guys are the mother of the Savior of the world. That's going to be one thing that's just not going to mesh and tie together. Um, but there's going to be uh, a similarity. You know, you're going to see where your, your relationship gets difficult and stuff. So um, we got Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, we're going to jump into the scripture where... Uh, the angel Gabriel comes and he talks to her, but to kind of to kind of get an idea of what we're looking at and what we're looking at with here is like we live in a different day and age as the context of the Bible, obviously. Um, today in our in our world, in our society that we live in, when we think of something like teen pregnancy, like that is a nightmare. It's a nightmare for a young girl to have to go through and just um, kind of just all of a sudden having a child coming on and all the things that go along with it. But um, in the biblical times, that, that wasn't the way things worked back then. Um, we have Mary and her age at this time is, I can never find nothing definitive, but we're like guessing 12 to 14, 15 age range. And what we had in that time is when um, a young woman's body started to develop and turn from a, a child to a woman and start to begin the menstrual cycle and stuff around that age, usually beginning at 12 or 13. And once that started to happen, that's when they were set to be married, set to bear children, and set to enter into, into womanhood. So we'll have Mary, and we'll be looking at it. And so we, we keep in mind that she's uh, that age range, 12 to maybe 15 years old, somewhere in there. And... Um, She's living her life. She's betrothed or engaged to be married to Joseph. And they're, they're getting ready um, to start their life and start their journey together. And then she gets this visit and it kind of for, uh, flips her whole life upside down. Just kind of caught out of nowhere. So we're going to be jumping into scripture in a second. Join me as I, as I open us in a short prayer. Uh, Father God, we're so grateful to be able to come here to the, this morning to be able to open your word and just go through scripture and to let scripture speak to us and to, um, God, as we go through, ask you to silence Chris, silence Chris Polito, put all of my uh, ideas aside and just let your scripture speak to everybody's hearts. Let everybody's hearts open, be open and soften to the scripture and to what it is to the point to where they can take a look at their lives and their relationship with you and your son and they can start to dissect some things. They can start to look at some areas where there may seem to be a struggle and what they can do to, to nurture that relationship, to, to help it grow and strengthen to where it becomes uh, um, the most important thing in every aspect of their lives. 
God, we love you. We praise you. It's your beautiful name, I pray. So we're going to be starting out today in Luke chapter 1. We're going to go through 26 through 38, and then we'll jump back, look at a few things, break it up, break it apart a little bit. Um, I got some highlights. We'll kind of break those up. So if you guys, um, we got it up here, or, or turn your Bible, Luke chapter 1. Starting in 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was grateful, gratefully, greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, and there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be bo- overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So like I said, we got this um, young teenage girl, and she's um, life starting to work out. She's betrothed. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. And then she gets this visit. She gets this visit from the angel Gabriel, and... As we look, look through it a little bit, she gets this visit and, you know, he just drops some news on her. Look, you're going to bear a son and he is going to be the king of the world. His name is to be holy. He's going he's gonna to be called the son of the most high. But as we see in verse 29, if you see there, it says, But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Right? She hasn't even got the news yet. But she knew something serious was about to go down. It says, He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And right then, the next verse, it says, She was greatly troubled. At that moment, we already know that she is taken from her, um, her, her norm, her comfort level. And in that moment, in being approached by the angel, in being approached by God, a messenger from God, she is greatly troubled. And... So going through, we can see that the, that the angel could see that she was troubled and she could see that she was rattled. And he tells her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So we can see right there in that moment, she is, she is a godly girl. And some of the studies I found and, and was going through, um, we can see that she is a godly girl. In, uh, in verses 46 through 56, we're not going to go there, but she says a prayer right there. And 
a lot of her prayer in that section can be referenced to Old Testament texts. There's stuff from Genesis. There's stuff from the Psalms and Proverbs. And they almost echo like word for word with some of the Old Testament stuff. And what I, what I was studying, it kind of shows that she, was, she had a relationship. She was a godly young girl. And she, she just... She doesn't have the Old Testament scripture right there with her, but she's praying and just these words that she knows from the Torah and from some of the Old Testament scriptures are just flowing out in her heartfelt prayer. And then we see that he gives her the announcement. He tells her, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him na- his name Jesus, and he will be great and called the Son of Most High. Now, like, I don't know about what kind of pressures that you guys or, or myself face in walking my walk with God, but it's never been nothing like that. Being told that I'm going to parent the Savior of the world. So in that moment, like, we got a, a teenage girl who's set to be married. The, mar- the marriage hasn't happened yet, so that's crossing her mind. What do you mean? I'm going to be pregnant? But I'm set to be married, so I, I can't really be pregnant yet because I'm not married yet. And so people are going to think I'm an adulterer. And, then, and Joseph, we know from his story, like in Matthew, he had that same mindset. Like he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he was going to uh, divorce her in private. It tells us in Matthew chapter 1, like there are so many aspects of her personal life of her personal journey to have now just been thrown into the blender with her walk with God. And I think we do that at times. I think we experience that at times. We're like, okay, um, you know, yeah, there's this great Bible study, but I got this going on at night. Or, um, man, uh, I really like to pray before I eat, but there are a lot of people in this restaurant right now, and I feel like, you know, these guys might be looking at me or whatever. We take these... um, areas of our personal lives and our personal um, feelings and the things we're going through and we sometimes I think I know I I'm guilty of it is I let those things dictate where I'm at in my walk for a moment whether I soften them whether I dilute them whether I I, I just avoid it for a minute altogether these outside um, things that we face can can dictate that and we see in this scripture that Mary's going through that same thing but we see as we go down to verse 34, she, she wanted to know more. Mary didn't just dismiss the idea. She wanted to know more. And in verse 34, she has a question. She said to the angel, but how will this be since I am a virgin? So she's taking into account what he said, what she's facing in her life. Um, like really just the logistics of it like how am I going to have this kid like I'm a virgin wait what are you talking about a minute like how is this going to happen and um one of the things I love is we see down a little bit further he kind of gives her some proof he kind of the angel Gabriel kind of like tells her right in that moment like he's like oh don't trust he doesn't just say well trust me or uh, God's got this some of these sayings that we hear in, in our day and age and in our walk you know um, he gives her some proof and he tells her, well, hold on. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and she's in the sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. So he gives her some proof right in that moment. Look, you got this relative. She lives down the way in this neighborhood and um, she's old. She's barren. She's never had no child. She's in her sixth month of pregnancy right now. 
nothing is impossible with God. And so we see, uh, wrapping up kind of the part of this, that she, Mary was really just caught off guard and thrown into this thing, bam, out of nowhere, you know? And um, I think we see that, like any of us do, like any of us should really, when we're struggling with things, when we're struggling with things of our faith, um, she reaches out to those close to her. And I hope that's like the relationship that we have with Christ and that we have with each other is when, when we have questions or things catch us off guard or we're not really like sure what's going on. We're just troubled, greatly troubled or um, overwhelmed that we reach out to each other. Because it goes on to say in the next little section that Mary, she goes and visits Elizabeth. Um, and I guess it's kind of pretty easy to guess why she probably went, went to visit Elizabeth. So, if you've just been conceived a child by the power of God, who are you going to go to to talk about that? The only other person that you heard about and know about that got pregnant by the power of God. So she's reaching out to her family member and going there to discuss with her kind of what she's, what she's facing and what she's looking at. Um, so now we're going to fast forward a little bit through uh, Luke. We're going to turn over to chapter 2. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Excuse me. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered, with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So now we're looking through the, we're looking at these texts through the through the lenses of the difficulties Mary faced in going through this whole experience. And this one got me thinking, like, I was pretty blessed when it came to my wife being pregnant. Like, she was, uh, she, she handled it really well. Like, I would come home from work, and she was eight months pregnant, and I would pull up, and she was sitting Indian style in the front yard pulling weeds. I was like, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just getting rid of some of these weeds or whatever. Um, I, I broached the, the topic a little when she was, like, five months pregnant, and I'm like, hey, there's this couples disc golf tournament where we're on a team up in Salt Lake. Do you want to, I know you're pregnant. You want to be my teammate? She killed it. We went and took second place. She was out there hiking around all day and like she'd done awesome. But like you ladies, you guys know this way more than I do. I've never experienced it, but like pregnancy can be something else, I guess, right? Pregnancy is not an easy task. It, it is not easy. And just based off the full paragraph, we see here that Mary was like at the end of her pregnancy. And it was time to make this journey. And now we know, like, from the Christmas story we, we, and the little, like, kids' films we've showed in kids' church or just the things we grow up that uh, have known as we've grown, like, um, they say that uh, she rode on a donkey. And um, I could never find where she rode actually on a donkey. But the, the fact of the matter is they made a journey. They made quite a journey at this time. And she was pregnant, ready to pop the baby out. And they're not in a car. 
They're not with air conditioning. They're not in a comfortable journey. They're out there as a group of people and they're traveling to go be registered and they get to Bethlehem and it's time for the baby to come. So she faced this long journey in this like fully ready to pop pregnant state. Like, sure that wasn't easy. I'm sure that was a struggle. I'm sure that, that there was times during she, when they were traveling, whether um, it was just the uncomfort. Uh, I don't know the temperature. I don't know if it was hot or too cold or what, what it was like um, climate-wise, but I, I'm sure there was times in her head when she was like, man, is this relationship worth it? Is what I'm going through right now worth it? we got a teenage girl who is pregnant with a baby, and she's just like... Oh man, we have to travel for days to go and to go register. And then all of a sudden, it's time for the baby to come. Um, fast forward a few towards the end of chapter 2. Um, we're going to look at verses 41 through 52. So this is after the... Um, Jesus is born, he's born in the manger, and um, you know, they go through the, the rest of that normal, like I said, Christmas story that we hear, and now we fast forward, and um, he's a young boy, he's about 12 years old, and starting in verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom, and when the feast was... When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All, who, all those who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And then he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And... And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor, favor with God and man. So now we got this new young mother and she's been, uh, she's been a parent for 12 years now as we see from here. And they, they go and they make this journey and they go um, to the feast of the Passover. And they're there, and they're at the, at the feast, and they, um, they're at this celebration, and then it's time to leave. And they, they traveled in a caravan with all of their relatives and their family and probably people from their village or area that they were with, and they were traveling in this big caravan. And um, it's definitely probably wasn't like it is in our society today. It's like, where's the kid? Where? Maria, where's Karma? She was here five seconds ago, you know? Like, there are so many of them together, and they're traveling, and, um, but they notice. And it's crazy. They say that they traveled a day, and then they noticed he wasn't there. Now, you mothers, I'm sure you can relate to the struggle and the, and the sheer terror that she probably went through in that moment. Like, telling Joseph... Well, your cousin's over there. Go, go see if he's walking with them. Or uh, I'll go check with these guys. And they, and they check with everyone in their caravan. 
and he's not there. Now they're freaking out, and now they're worried. Where is he? They're parents. They're, they're, they're really freaking out, like, where is he at? And this is a struggle that she's going through. This is something that, like, she's never faced before, and now she's got the Savior of the world, and she's his mother, but, but he's missing. And as we see down in um, the second half of 48, and going on from there, it says, And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus answered them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Right? Obviously, Jesus and I were raised differently. Because if I answered my mom like that, like after she was searching for me for three days, we're having a whole different conversation. Like, it's going a whole different direction. But she's like telling him, Son, why did you treat us so? Because her heart was in the relationship. Like, it, it's not ever just been, he's the savior of the world. Like, this is my son. This is the person that I love more than anything in this world. And he's Jesus. And so she was troubled by that. And he's like, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? And she didn't understand. They didn't understand that what he was meaning is they were in the temple, his father's house. They didn't understand that. But it says she began to treasure up all of these things in her heart. So we see that relationship deepening. We see the things he's saying and the, and the time together and the time they're spending together fortifying their relationship. We're going to... Fast forward to the Gospel of John in chapter 2. So now we, we're seeing what it looks like from her to go from um, conceiving a child through the Holy Spirit to delivering that child to having that child as uh, a, a young man or a, a boy that does boy things and wanders off and stays behind in the temple and gets lost. And now we're going to see where, like, I, I think when we talked about this at, at Bible study a few uh, weeks ago when we were, a couple weeks ago when we were on this verse, but now we're, like, starting to see that, like, she kind of knows what's going on. She, she's really grasping who her son is. And um, I don't know, like... Us as parents, when we experience that and when we see our child, um, when we realize they have a gift at, uh, like, Alyssa with drawing or, um, like, Benjamin back there, I think he plays the guitar. When, when our children have gifts or when, when we see things happen in them, we get excited about that. They're developing. They're growing. They're, like, they're, they're becoming their own. And so we're going to see here, we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to go 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they, so they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, 
Everyone serves the good wine first when the people have drunk freely and then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is this the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So we got a mother who knows that her son is something special. She knows there's, there's something special about her son. And they're at this wedding. And like some of the things we talked about is like um, it was a, a huge disgrace to run out of wine at your wedding during this time. Like it was a sign that you could not, um, you were not capable as a man to take care of your bride and take care of your wife and provide a life and a family for her. And this has happened. So this isn't just a miracle that we're seeing here in, in the fact that they were at a wine, wedding and they were partying it up and drinking wine and they're like, man, we're out of wine. What do we do? Like there is significance to what was going on here. This young man on his wedding night ran out of wine and it was basically saying like, I can't care for my wife. And so we see here that Mary, Jesus' mom, she knows. She knows what's up with her son. She knows that, that he can do something about it. And she's like excited. Like, is this the time? She goes up to him and she tells him, they ran out of wine. And then we see, we see his response. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? Um, woman in that time was a term of endearment. He's saying like, like, ma'am, what does this have to do with me? This is not my time yet. My time has not yet come. But she knows, she's like, help this boy. Help this young man that's getting married. Like, provide a gift. And um, one of the cool little side notes that uh, just to kind of point out is um, it was like 120 to 130 gallons of wine. And there was like probably no way at the end of that wedding that they could probably drink all of that wine. But that much wine was going to be something that he could support his young family and his young wife off. So he, he gave them the gift in that moment of um, saving him from this embarrassment, like throwing him a rope, being his savior as far as his marriage, and providing for him financially to move forward from that time on. But Mary, we see her struggle. We see her difficulty. She's like excited at what her son can do. And she, she runs to him, and she comes to him, and she's like, look at this, look, they're, they're out of wine. And she is just so excited to see the things that he'll do in his life that um, that was one of the things she was facing. Like, when is the world going to know? Like, and, and I think that's one of the things like, with us. Like, once we get into that relationship and we really start to experience Christ and we experience that on a personal level and we see those around us and we know they're going through some stuff or whatever and we're like, man, I know who can help get you through that? Like, I just want to share with the world. Um, next, we're going to jump fast forward to John chapter 19. We're going to be 27 or 17 through 27. This is where uh, her struggles get really real. Where there's been all of this buildup from the, the encounter with the angel, the announcement of the pregnancy, um, him growing, the things that he is saying, treasuring up in her heart, the excitement of being a mother of, uh, at the wedding, like turn water into wine. And now, 
All that's coming full circle. She's facing a nightmare. Starting in verse 17. So it, there's a weird break in the sentences there. So and like the end of 16, it says, So they took Jesus. And then it picks up right there. And he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the, the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote on the inscription, put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where the Jesus was crucified near the city. And it was excuse me, written in Aramaic, in Latin and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews. But rather, this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided the garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister Mary, and the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that moment, from that hour, the disciple took her son, uh, took her to his own home. So when we think about the struggles that Mary is going through, when we think about all of the buildup and the excitement of, of being his mother, of seeing the things he could do, and now going through his ministry and all of the um, all of the miracles he performed, all of the the teachings by the Sea of Galilee, all of the healing of um, different people that were facing different ailments, the casting out of demons, like. There has been this excitement brought. Like, He is the Savior of the world. He truly is the Messiah. And now He's been seized. Now He's been arrested. Now He's set to be killed. Buried. Resurrected. Revealing Himself to them. And then ascending into heaven. Mary's thrown into a full roller coaster ride of emotions regarding not just the Messiah, but her son, the person that she loves more than anybody in this world. He was snatched up the downhill of that roller coaster. He was arrested and crucified on a downhill. He was buried, and that stone was rolled shut. Her heart was crushed. And then he resurrected. Then there was hope. He was back. He was back in her life. He had revealed himself. And just as that up scene was starting to go again, he ascended into heaven. And all of a sudden, he was gone, he was back, and then he was gone again. She went through a lot of struggles in her relationship. Some, like I mentioned in the beginning, that they, uh, our struggles and the things we go through, they pale in comparison to what she, what she went through. But one of the things that we should have in common with Mary is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, 
He should be the most important aspect and the one we love more than anything in our lives. The center of all things. And so when we see our, tr- our struggles, when we see the things that we face in our lives and the things that might get in the way, we should take a look at those things and realize that they're kind of down here compared to Him who is up here. And what, what can we do to, to push those things to the side and to, to nurture and strengthen our relationship? Um, in closing, what I hope we can take away from these passages are a few things. One, one being our need for a Savior, this relationship we have with Him, and that this relationship in the, in the Scriptures we read, it was bigger than a mother and son relationship. It was everything. He was the Messiah. And we have a need for that same relationship. We have a need that, that's bigger than whatever our relationship looks like right now, whether it's uh, um, just a Sunday service, whether it's, uh, you know, I, I believe but help my unbelief, veering back and forth. Whatever it is that wherever we're at, hopefully the need is great enough that you realize that we, can, we need to nurture that relationship. Um, the second thing I like to, for us to think about is we should pursue this relationship that we're in. We should pursue it at all costs. Amen. It's not a one-sided relationship. We shouldn't just like sit back and expect God to do miraculous things in our lives. When you really love something, when you really love someone and they are the center of your everything, you want to engage. You want that to be a part of your life. You want to be in um, scripture reading, in prayer, in in different ways. It's not a one-sided effort. Three, the third thing for us to think about as we move forward is there will be difficulties. Like none of this stuff we've read, nowhere in this book, nowhere does it say that it's all going to be better, that it's all going to be easy, that it's all going to be smooth sailing. There are going to be difficulties. It should be in those difficulties, we should be drawn into the Father's arms and it should, we should be able to worship through those. That's, that's true worship, is worshiping in those difficulties. And number four, The thing that we could really grab a hold of and grasp and take out of here with us today is we have a loving God who sought us out. We have Jesus who directed by God the Father pursued a relationship with us and to, um, with each and every one of us. Uh, we talked about it in, in our study one night. Um, Jen posted something similar about it in, on her uh, God's Word in a Year page a couple days ago if you saw this is like, We did nothing for this. It was through the direction of God that we have been sought out. We have this free gift of salvation. We have this free gift from God. And why are we not going to do our part to nurture that gift, to nurture that relationship? If you're given a free gift and it's set on the table and it looks like a fancy little jewelry box and, uh, you know, I call from the back, care of this gift is for you, you know, and, and it's, it's shiny and it's got its ribbon and it's got these things that look fancy. Like, to get it, she has to do her part and walk up there and get it and open it and unwrap it. And this free gift we have of salvation should be the same way. We should, we should pursue it. I wanted to share a quote that Jen shared on her same post. Can you pull up that um, slide, Victoria? It said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. When we think of a free gift, 
when we think of what we got, like, let's let that stick. Let's let that sink in. We contributed nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we have a loving, just God. And that you made the decision to seek us out and pursue us. And to give us your Son and your Holy Spirit to walk in relationship with. God, let that, let today's message, let the, the uh, scriptures that we read speak to us in a way that develops a hunger for us to pursue the relationship on our end. To pursue it through a, a, a deep and devoted prayer life. Through devoted scripture reading. Through gathering together as saints. To gathering together with other believers. Let us use all of these avenues, all of these aspects to deepen, to nurture, to, to strengthen and fortify our relationship with you. We thank you for the struggles. Even though we don't like to look at them, we don't like to face them, we don't like to experience them, it shows us a need for you. And it's seeking you out and it's being drawn into your arms in those difficult times that puts our heart into perspective. God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.